Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. We did, but honestly, I was left with more questions than answers, Tony. I'm Tony Cameron brown a tech culture and f1 commentator and i'm michael costa comedian from the daily show join us for season two of choosing sides f1 our f1 102 if you will and get all of the answers all of them listen to choosing sides f1 on the iHeartRadio app apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts i'm julian edelman from games with names and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time with the players and coaches who lived in them Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Or what about the, the after parties? We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Fantasy Football Weekly, a production of iHeartRadio. Your weekly source for the nation's best fantasy speculation and advice. Now, along with the guys from guillotineleagues.com, here's your host, Paul Charchian. Welcome to a week two edition of Fantasy Football Weekly. I am Paul Charchian, co-host today, Matt Harrison. It's been a month plus <laughs> since you've been on the show. You remember Fantasy Football Training Camp? Yes, that was, that the was last a long one. time ago. <laughs> It's nice of you to to dust yourself off. It's soccer season, baby. Uh huh. And also back to back editions with Thor Nystrom. Great to have you guys here. How you guys doing? Very good. Um, we come out of a high scoring Thursday night game. A lot of people already know if they're in the driver's seat or if they're in big troubles. We head into the matchups. We'll break them all down, fantasy football weekly style, with letter grades on every player who matters. We'll also give you nine players upon whom you can take a chance. We'll answer three tough questions and give you some premature speculation players like we did last week when we gave you Rashid Shahid. Mm. Thor, who did you give? Puka Nakua. No, you don't say. <laughs> I Where is the peacock sound? Oh, it's coming right here, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Look, when Thor gives out a guy who breaks his maiden on 15 targets, 11 <laughs> catches, and 119 yards, you get one of these, baby. Not not a bad first take a chance on me, Thor. Good job. Yeah, he's the Cooper Cup roll the whole game. It was wild. <laughs> oh, fantastic. God, oh, we loved it. We loved it. Uh, and Brian Johnson, by the way, pounding the table for Kyron Williams all preseason. I was like, no, I don't think so. He didn't look good last year. Boy, did that look good, too. Mm. Here, Brian's not here, but I'm going to give him one of these. Mm, good job. All right, I'm going to get most of the peacocking out of the way now. We didn't get everything right, but we got those things right. Let's start breaking down matchups. Las Vegas taking on Buffalo. Matt, the Las Vegas offense looked shockingly competent 
last week. Mm-hmm. And the Buffalo defense didn't look that great. Yeah. So what do you think here? Well, I'm giving uh, Josh Jacobs right off the bat my fantasy aardvark for oh, the week. Out of the, out of the gate. Right out of the gate. Uh, right. He got all but one carry for the Raiders last week, and the Bills allowed a very nice 6.9 yards per carry to the Jets backs on Monday night. That makes uh, Jacobs a easy, easy A. Devontae Adams sat out of practice for a lot of the week, but practiced in full on Thursday. Jacoby Myers doubtful with concussion, and Myers actually had more targets than Adams last week. So I foresee Adams getting more focused this week with Hunter Renfro actually seeing a target or two. Mm -hmm. Uh, Adams gets an A grade in this one as he'll match up with Tredavious White, who seems to be a shell of his former self. He allowed Garrett Wilson to score a touchdown last week in his coverage. And you can't start Renfro or any of the tight ends on the Raiders' side. Uh, they're just not there yet. Even with Jacoby Myers, I don't. Renfro is so invisible. Yes, uh, Myers not going to go in this game. Uh, Jimmy G gets a C grade though. The Jets stopped passing for the most part as soon as Rogers' tendon snapped in half last week. So their inflated Zach Wilson numbers deserve a little asterisk. Uh, Garoppolo did fine against maybe a better Broncos defense last week. Mm -hmm. Ended up with 202. That sounds like a Jimmy G-style game to me. Mm -hmm. Um, Over on the Bills side, Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs, they're easy A grades in this one. Yeah, how about Diggs just nuking Sauce Gardner right out of the gate? Well, he also nuked Gabe Davis a little bit, who actually ran one more route than Diggs last week, Mm -hmm. but saw only four targets to 13 for Diggs. Yeah, and then the you know then um, we saw the, his own team talking about how they got to get more production out of their second receiver without naming him by name. Yeah, well, I mean the good thing about Gabe Davis, his targets were downfield. His A dot was eighteen point seven oh, yards. Oh, That's that huge. Uh, Davis runs a ton of routes out of the uh, left side of the field, and last year the Raiders allowed an average of fourteen yards per deep left attempt. Ooh, that's a pretty saucy little number there. That hole in the defense is Jacorian Bennett, who wears double zero on the field, and that was also his PFF grade last week. <laughs> Not really. It wasn't that low, but he was their worst corner. Does he really wear double zero? He does. I didn't see that during the game. <laughs> I didn't know there was anybody wearing double zero. Uh, Dalton Kincaid and Dawson Knox, the double DKs, basically split snaps last week. Both had four targets. It's a complete split right now, and you don't want to deal with either of the double DKs, so they're both on the bench for you. And finally, the Bills really want James Cook to be the guy. He led the snaps 41 to 15 for Latavius Murray and only 9 for Damian Harris. He led the opportunities 18 to 4 to 3. If he's going to be a bell cow, it should be a decent week against a Raiders defense who just allowed 135 combo yards to the split backfield of Samaje Pirine and Javante Williams. Mm-hmm. So I'm giving Cook a B grade this week. Yeah, I, I was I thought we'd see a little more of Damian Harris, and it never it did not materialize. Here. Not at all. Not at all. San Francisco taking on the Rams. Thor, uh, the 49ers had swore they were going to dial back the usage on Christian McCaffrey. And he probably had ran the most plays in the NFL, I believe, or the most of any running back in the NFL last week. Sure did, yeah. And obviously he is a must-start in this game with mm-hmm. a grade A. The Rams run defense struggles to tackle, and they don't make plays behind the line of scrimmage. So you have to start him. As far as the passing game there, the Rams are a zone-heavy team. Brandon Ayuk destroys man coverage, as we talked about last week, which is one of the reasons he had a really good game last week, mm-hmm. while Debo Samuel is the 49ers' zone beater. Mm. So, so this week we're going to give Debo Samuel a grade A because of that. 
Easily number one on the team in targets per route run versus man cover, or I'm sorry, versus zone coverage mm. since Brock Purdy took over. And the Rams cornerbacks, Darian Kendrick and Akella Witherspoon, if I can talk, are not very good. Brandon Ayuk, we're going to give him a B, even though this matchup isn't quite as good for him because of the coverage tendencies of the Rams. Brandon Ayuk, wide receiver two in fantasy last yeah, week. Great game. Yeah, and only ranked number four on the team in targets per route run with Purdy under center versus man coverage last year, though. So we have to downgrade him to a B. But again, this is a good matchup because the Rams cornerbacks are terrible. Yeah. Brock Purdy, we're going to give him a B in part for that reason. Fantasy quarterback 10 last week hmm. and number eight in adjusted completion rate. The Rams, as I mentioned, zone-heavy team. Purdy was number four in yards per attempt last year against zone coverage. George Kittle, we're going to give him a B. I, I waffle between A and B on this one. Kittle wasn't healthy last week, but he still got fed targets on 23% of his routes. That's pretty good. Last year against zone coverage with Purdy under center, Kittle got targets on a similar 24% of his routes with a, get this, ludicrous 67% touchdown percentage. Yeah, wow. Rams gave up seventh most touchdowns to opposing tight ends last year. So we're going to get, what we'll say a B plus. No, we won't. No, we won't. We'll say, we'll say a B. Oh, I like this we'll guy. Say, no, this guy's a great new co-host. Uh, <laughs> you know, I had good Thor for one week. That's it. He's already turned on me. Fish wow. was a bad influence for me. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> and and moving to the Rams, Matthew Stafford, great game last week. 340 really passing yards that mm-hmm. ranked uh, number three in the NFL. But I can only give him a C in this game because the matchup isn't quite as good. Four career games against the 49ers for Stafford. Yeah. Five to five touchdown interception ratio and only a 6.0 yards per attempt. Can the Rams' offensive line hold up is my other question. The 49ers were number two in pressure rate last week. Mm. Puka Nakua, my boy. Got to give him a grade B here. He has an oblique injury, but reports say he's going to play. Last week was ridiculous. I, I know I gave him out, but I I wasn't expected as that, many I'm targets. I'm sure you were not he, thinking 15 targets. Yeah, he went nuclear. 42.9% of first read target share last week for wow. Matthew Stafford. That's great. Was consistently looking at him. Puka was playing that Cooper Cup role, like I mentioned. He was number five in the NFL in yards per route run in week one. Believe the hype. 2-2 Atwell will give him a B. He was impressive in his own right. He was. Another 119-yard performance. Exactly. 3.6 yards per route run last week for 2-2. And I liked how the Rams were moving him around and then getting him in bunch formations to guarantee free releases off the line. Mm. It's obviously a question a, we had yeah, about him coming out. Yeah, because he's a, he's a tiny guy. He's a stick. Yes. Yeah. But if they can get him off the line, he can do damage there. Mm. Tyler Higby will give him a C this week. The troubling thing about him last week was he was basically ignored when he was out on the runs on on the routes only a 7.9% target share last week and this is a tough matchup against the 49ers defense that allowed the eighth fewest fantasy points to tight ends last year Uh, Cam Akers we're keeping him on the bench speaking of troubling 22 carries for 29 yards Mm -hmm. last week that's not good we could have ran for more yards on 22 carries you could fall forward for more than that yes you can as a matter of fact yes you can and I saw this stat come by my Twitter feed and I think it's correct first time in NFL history there have been three different running backs in the same week all to have at least 15 carries 
and less than one and a half yards per carry. Oh wow. Gosh. And, and this is not a good matchup for him against the 49ers defense oh. that allowed the fewest fantasy points to running backs last year. I will give Brian's boy, Kyron Johnson, a C grade, though. He's better than Cam Akers, Kyron yeah. Williams is, and he's more versatile, too, by far. Played 65% of the snaps last week and had 15 touches for 52 total yards. If there's a Rams running back you want in your lineup, it's Kyron Williams this week. And probably only him, as it turns out. Only him. Baltimore takes on Cincinnati, and we got to go back to Lamar Jackson. Look, I, I warned you last week about Jackson's prospects, and I don't love him here either. Going back to week four of last year, he's averaging 0.9 passing touchdowns per game. That's it. And that includes a game against these same Bengals in which he threw for 174 yards and one touchdown. But that's not what's most troubling. Here's what you should really be worried about. New offensive coordinator Todd Munkin gave Lamar Jackson two designed runs, mm. totaling two yards. Yeah. That's it. Fan For fantasy purposes, we do not want to change out we don't want to exchange runs for passes. That is a bad currency exchange right there. Mm-hmm. So you didn't draft Jackson for his passing, and the Bengals just put Deshaun Watson on a brutal passing game last week. I can only muster a C grade mm-hmm. for Lamar Jackson. Caution again. You know who I loved, though? Zay Flowers. Yes. Oh, did he look promising in week one? Look great. He played 84% of the snaps. He accounted for one fewer target than the rest of the team combined. <laughs> He ran half his plays from the slot and half outside. So he'll see all the he'll see it really all the Bengals cornerbacks. It's a it's a solid secondary, particularly Chidobi Awuzie, but Flowers can win against Mike Hilton, Cam Taylor Britt. Those can be positive matchups and he moves all over the field. So I'm giving a B grade to Zay Flowers. Uh Mark Andrews practiced in full on Friday. That's very encouraging. But I can only get him to a C grade because I worry about snap count, possible setback on the hamstring. And Cincinnati held the Browns tight ends in check last week, aside from a random Harrison Bryant shorty. That's it. Andrews did crush the Browns in his one meeting last year, and Isaiah likely did in the meeting he didn't play in. So maybe there's more to like here, but I'm only going C grade on Mark Andrews. OBJ, OBJ's on the bench. Played most of the snaps, uh, more snaps than any Baltimore receiver, but only saw three targets. And maybe it's just him knocking rust off or whatever. He did make one nice catch on the, the left side of the field, but I think I'm going to wait until I've got an easier matchup before I dart throw on OBJ and assume that he's ready for a bigger role. And then Rashad Bateman, I want to show you some caution here. He ran half his routes from the slot. That is a massive departure on how he was used in years past. And where Rashad Bateman was giving us good fantasy games in the earlier parts of his career, it was on big downfield plays. Those are much harder to generate from the slot and that's now suddenly where he's running. Prehistorically, he'd run about 18% of his plays from the slot. He ran half his plays mm. from the slot under mm. Todd Monken. That is a big worry for Rashad Bateman. I would show some concern there. And then let's go to the runners. Gus Edwards, Justice Hill, both getting C grades here, an almost even split between Edwards and Hill last week. But history suggests this. Justice Hill is not good. <laughs> and Gus, I think, should get more work. I think he's just a better back. Now, that said, Todd Munkin wasn't here for the bad Justice Hills days, and maybe he's going to be better going forward. I don't know. Maybe Cincinnati, middle-of-the-pack run defense that got gouged by Nick Chubb for six yards per carry last week. Granted, Chubb's, like, way better than Gus Edwards and Justice Hill. Still, both startable here. I know Hill got the goal line carries last week. I also think that's a weird, fluky thing. Gus Edwards is better built for it. And Justice Hill only 1.1 yards per carry last week. Also troubling. 
All right, let's go to Cincinnati. This won't take as long. Uh, bounce back game coming. Everybody believes it's coming. I do too. Um, Jamar Chase, obvious A. He saw a 29% target share last week. He's going to be just fine. But T. Higgins, let's talk him through more out for the zero catch game. He saw eight targets, and he was on the field for 95% of the offensive snaps last week. So it's going to come together here. We know he's a good player. And Cincinnati, Cincinnati might give him some extra looks to make up for last week's goose egg. Baltimore's 19 receptions allowed to wide receivers were the third most in week one, and their 200 yards allowed to wide receivers was fifth most, and Baltimore's now without their starting safety, Marcus Williams. So that could unlock some deep receptions for T. Higgins and Jamar Chase, B grade on T. Higgins. And if I've got A and B grades on Joe Burrow's two main receivers, obviously I like him. I've got a B grade here, and which should be a bounce back, not in the rain, not in the knock the rust off game from last week. And the Ravens saw 54 dropbacks last week against C.J. Stroud in his <laughs> NFL debut. So this is going to be a pass-heavy game plan. Joe Mixon climbs, uh, chimes in with a B grade. Mixon accounted for 51% of the Bengals' total offense last week. He averaged 71 total yards and four receptions per uh, four, four receptions uh, per game over the final three game last three games against Baltimore last season. Excuse me. The Ravens allowed the fourth fewest rushing yards to opposing backs last year. They just held the Titans, uh, Texans backfields to 3.1 yards per carry. That's a good run defense. I'm a little worried about Mixon, but he's the only game in town, so he still gets the B grade. When we come back, nine players upon whom you can take a chance. If you're already looking to the waiver wire for some help, you're looking to the bench for some help, we've got some guys that might be suitable for your team. Find out who they are when we come back. Fantasy Football Weekly. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team, a driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, Daily Show correspondent. And we're back with season two because, as it turns out, F1's newest fan is still a little... Dazed and confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I, I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pod? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You find it. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali back in 1988, and to my great surprise, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on family, spirituality, and on the purpose of life itself. 
I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ, including people such as Reverend Al Sharpton and James Buster Douglas. We'll even hear from Muhammad's daughter, Rashida. Well, my dad was, he was Peter Pan. Like, he never really grew up. He was very mature when it came down to social issues. He was very in tune. He felt a responsibility to be able to share his connection to millions of people who were in need. In each of these stories, we share lessons, lessons that have meant a great deal to me and that I hope will be meaningful to you. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Take a chance on me. Nine players not normally in your starting lineup. Guys, many cases you're going to be able to pick up off of the waiver wire and give a start to this week. Matt Harrison, let's begin at the quarterback position. Who you got? I've got C.J. Stroud, who looked okay last week. 242 yards, no touchdowns, but no picks either. And he was efficient against a good defense. The team kept it tight with only a 6.0 A dot, and he threw the ball 44 times on that. So kept it short and sweet. This week he gets a Colts defense, not nearly as good. The Colts allowed 241-2 and two to Trevor Lawrence last week in a game where Jacksonville ran the ball most of the second half. I think Stroud's throwing the ball a lot this week. All right, let's go to Thor. Who's your take a chance on me quarterback? I'm going with Jared Goff, who was number 18 in fantasy points last week, but number 9 in passing grade against the Chiefs. The young Seahawks secondary that he's going to be playing this weekend got torched last week. The Seahawks gave up the third most passing yards and fourth highest yards per attempt in week one. I like it, Jared Goff. I'm going Baker Mayfield against Chicago. They're going to be without slot corner Kyler Gordon probably for a while. That means it is an A-plus matchup for Chris Godwin, who I love here. Uh, Mike Evans, also a great matchup. The Bears are trotting out rookie Tyreek Stevenson, who allowed a touchdown to Romeo Dubs in a man coverage last week. Evans is a better red zone threat, obviously, than Romeo Dobbs. So uh, as a, a team, the Bears posted the sixth worst Pro football focus coverage grade in week one. So I like Baker Mayfield here to get a couple of touchdowns, maybe even maybe even three. Let's go to the running back position. Uh, I got Zach Moss and kind of a bonus take a chance on me. Deion Jackson as well. Uh, either of them, can you can start with a C grade this week. Jackson was sort of the default bell cow for Indy last week because Moss was inactive and Evan Hull was injured after only seven snaps. Uh, Jackson was on the field for 71% of the offensive snaps. Targeted in the passing game on 22% of his routes run, but with Zach Moss returning, I think it's a pretty even split with Moss taking the ground game and Jackson uh, being the pass catching back. The Texans did hold the Ravens back to only 2.6 yards per carry last week, but the runners scored three touchdowns in this game and it was the worst run defense in the league last year and maybe it was just a little bit fake because of Baltimore's runners. Thor, you're taking a chance at me, runner. I'm going to go with Tajay Spears against the Chargers. Mm -hmm. Tajay clearly, at minimum, is the team's clear pass-catching back. And he might be more than that. Last week in a neutral game script, Tajay Spears actually outsnapped Derrick Henry. In games where the Titans are down this season, uh, I think Spears' usage is going to explode. Mm -hmm. And they could be down a lot if Ryan Tannehill's going to keep playing like this. They've lost eight straight games. The Titans. Especially against the Chargers, it's going to be the case. Last week, Tajay Spears' first game in the NFL, six yards after contact per attempt. Hmm. 
I'm going to go Ezekiel Elliott going up against mm. Miami. I like in, it. In his first game with the Patriots, Zeke had half the snap count of Ramondre Stevenson, half, but managed more rushing yards on fewer carries, and he chipped in a surprising five receptions for Zeke. Miami just got blasted by two different backs, Austin Eckler and Josh Kelly. So two different backs could post good stats against Miami again here, and I still like Ramondre Stevenson too. Through one week, Miami ranks dead last in rushing yards allowed, dead last in total yards allowed to running backs, and second to last in rushing touchdowns allowed to runners, Ezekiel Elliott. Let's go to our receivers. Who's your take a chance on me receiver, man? I've got a tight end, and it's come to this. Zach Ertz is a take a chance on me tight end. Yeah, way uh, more active than I expected in week one. Yeah, had 10 targets last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next closest target share in Arizona was five, so he doubled up everybody else. Josh Dobbs is not a downfield thrower. His average depth of target was only 5.8. That plays right into a tight end getting a ton of targets. And the Giants haven't done well against tight ends who are targeted a lot. The last eight tight ends who've seen at least eight targets against the Giants have an average line of eight catches, 80 yards, and a 57% chance of a score. Mm, That's a lot. Let's go to your receiver, Thor. Welcome back to the Rashid Shahid show. Yeah, Mm. we loved him last week. We're going right back to the well again after last week's hit. Going right back to the well. 89 yards last week for Shahid. 16.2 ADOT, 24% air yard share and 3.6 yards per route run. Derek Carr looks like he has his deep ball groove back, which is another important thing here for Shahid, a guy who hits dingers. And this week he gets mediocre Panthers cornerbacks, Dante Jackson and C.J. Henderson. He's going to stack again. I'm going to give you a double-up bill. Mm. like it. Uh, not bills, though. These are Texans. Robert <laughs> Woods and Nico Collins both. I already told you, C.J. Stroud, 54 dropbacks, 44 pass attempts last week, and volume is all we need against a very suspect Indianapolis secondary, missing both of its starting cornerbacks from last season. Last week, Indy got worked by Calvin Ridley and Zay Jones. So why not little Robert Woods and Nico Collins? Granted, they're not as good, but still. We're just talking take a chance on me, guys, here. Woods led the Texans in snaps. Uh, Collins led the the Texans in targets. I think they're both good plays here. And let's go to the matchups, including that one. Yeah. Indianapolis is taking on Houston. You already gave us C.J. Stroud. Yeah. I gave Robert Woods and Nico Collins. We got this thing already half done. Yeah, I got I got a B for Stroud. I got a B for Collins. And I got a C for Woods. Uh, by the way, Nico Collins led the team with a 26.2% target share last week and saw 165 air yards. Wow. That's nuts. They're going to chuck it downfield, uh, and it's going to be great. Dalton Schultz. He led the Texans with 43 routes run, five more than any player, but he was only targeted four times for an average depth of 0.75 yards. <laughs> He's almost going backwards. I'm going to keep Dalton you can Schultz fall on forward the for that. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to keep Dalton Schultz on the bench for that reason. Damian Pierce, he only was on the field for 48.6% of the snaps in week 1, and according to JJ Zacharyson, that's his lowest snap share since week 1 of last year. Oh, by the way, that was his first game ever. It's a very disappointing week for him, but we highlighted it on the show last week that the Ravens' run defense is legit, so maybe they were saving him for this week. Still going to give Pierce the B grade. The Colts allowed two touchdowns to runners last week and 17 last season. Pierce is going to hit him. By the way, that Texans' offensive line is not good. 
Yeah, it's, it's going to be Pierce is going to have to make a lot of his own yards. Fortunately, yeah. Indy's run defense is bad. Unfortunately, Pierce is pretty good at that. Yes, he is. Uh, over on the Indy side, there's only two guys you can really start. One of them's Anthony Richardson, two twenty-three and a score through the air last week, but a ton of that was on his wide receivers making plays. His average depth of target was only 5.3, 29th in the league. He had six designed run plays, which is a little fewer than I thought he would get. Four scrambles created 10 rushing attempts for 40 yards and a score. Only Daniel Jones had more rushing attempts as a QB in week one, though. Houston saw Lamar Jackson last week, who we thought would be a big runner. But Jackson ended up with only six carries for 38 on the ground. It's probably going to be a low-volume passing game for Richardson, but I'd bet he finds at least 50 yards on the ground here. So with that 50 yards, I think it's a B grade for Richardson just on the upside alone. Michael Pittman is the only wide receiver you can start, and it's just a C. Target shares last week, Pittman got 28% of them. Josh Downs, 18%. Alec Pierce, only 8%. Uh, But Pittman, he was only targeted five yards down the field as well. That's why he's knocked down to a C. We're reliant on him breaking one on a short pass. His touchdown last week was behind the line of scrimmage and he broke it for 39 yards and a score. Yeah. We're reliant on Michael Pittman doing that. So that's why he's only a C grade. Yeah. I I thought Pittman looked pretty good, Uh, but this is going to be inconsistent box scores probably coming. All right, let's go to Seattle taking on Detroit. Seattle is going to be hamstrung without two tackles, Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas, uh, both not going to play in this game. And that is, For an offensive line that's already struggling, those are some pretty big losses. It sure is, because the Lions last year, number nine in pressure rate, number seven in blitz rate. Geno Smith was under duress all last week, and that is going to be the case Mm -hmm. again. I'm only giving Geno a grade a C here. Last week, fourth lowest yards per attempt in the NFL, like I mentioned, was under duress the entire game. Last year, Geno was number 28 in the league in passing grade when blitzed. Giving him a C. Tyler Lockett, I'll give him a B because the Lions are a zone-heavy defense. Lockett is the zone beater who finds the soft spots on this offense. Number 18 in the NFL last year in yards per route run against zone. DK Metcalf, I can only give him a C grade in this in this game. Mm-hmm. He had an identical 22% target rate to Lockett's last year against zone coverage. But while Lockett averaged 2.3 yards per route run against zone, DK only averaged 1.8. I got to keep the rest of the pass catchers, including Jackson Smith and Jigba, on the bench. Smith and Jigba, we need to see him fully healed from that wrist injury, and we need to see how his role clarifies. Everybody else on the bench. Kenneth Walker, will give him a grade of B here. Was able to hold off... Uh, Charbonnet uh, last week. Charbonnet was was barely apparent there. Kenneth Walker had 16 touches for 67 yards on 63% of the snaps. Lions had a good week uh, last week against the run versus the Chiefs. They did. They, uh, very much so. But the Lions uh, struggled against zone runs last year, and those accounted for half of Kenneth Walker's mm. attempts last week. Going to the Lions, Jared Goff was my take a chance on me quarterback. Amonra St. Brown, I'm giving him an A for this matchup. Yeah. He was wide receiver 11 in fantasy scoring. Oh, it should have been wide receiver like two. Even had, more. It, had Jared Goff not completely missed him wide open for a 70-yard down-the-seam touchdown. Amen. Amen. Oh, man, that hurt. Uh, he, he, St. Brown was also number 11 in yards per route run versus zone coverage last season. And as you guys know, the Pete Carroll defenses, it's notoriously zone coverage. 
Uh, Sam Laporta, Sammy Ballgame. I'm giving him a grade B here. I almost thought about going to an A on this mm. one, though. Laporta, last week, 83% of the snaps, and he ranked number four among tight ends in the NFL in targets per route run. That is tight end one usage, folks. The Seahawks are also awful against tight ends, allowed the second most fantasy points to opposing tight ends last year. David Montgomery, I'm giving a B in this one, 74 yards on 21 carries while playing 79% of the snaps against yeah. the Chiefs, and he got most of the red zone work. Seattle profiles is a middle-of-the-pack run defense this year. I think uh, Montgomery's going to get more work. Gibbs, speaking of more work, Jameer Gibbs, I'm giving him an A. Only, oh. only played, tw- yes, only played 27% of snaps against the Chiefs. 60 total yards on nine touches, but was number one in the NFL in missed tackles force per attempt. This is the week Jameer Gibbs gets on leash. The C- Seattle ranked dead last in the NFL in yards per reception to running backs last year, and Pete Carroll's defenses are horrible against receiving running backs going back years and years and years. Jameer Gibbs going nuts this weekend. That is a strong take. When we come back, Washington, will we see another decent game from Sammy Howell? Find out when we come back. Fantasy Football Weekly. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team, a driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, Daily Show correspondent. And we're back with season two because, as it turns out, F1's newest fan is still a little... Dazed and confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pod? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts. Or wherever you get your podcasts. You find it. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali back in 1988, and to my great surprise, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on family, spirituality, and on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ, including people such as Reverend Al Sharpton, and James Buster Douglas. We'll even hear from Muhammad's daughter, Rashida. Well, my dad was, he was Peter Pan. Like he never really grew up. He was very mature when it came down to social issues. He was very in tune. He felt a responsibility to be able to share his connection to millions of people who were in need. 
In each of these stories, we share lessons, lessons that have meant a great deal to me and that I hope will be meaningful to you. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome back, Fantasy Football Weekly. I am Paul Charchi and co-host Matt Harrison, Thor Nystrom. Thank you for joining us. We're working our way through all of the Week 2 matchups. If you're behind because you played against a bunch of Vikings and Eagles, um, we're here to try to help. And if you're ahead, we're, help, we're hopefully going to help you maintain that lead. <laughs> if you started Alexander Madison, you're in a pinch. And not just potentially for this week, maybe long term. And if you're not listening, we hope you lose. Yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. We Well... I don't know. We don't wish bad things. That, well, just on the non-listeners of yeah, the show. Yeah, they don't count. Yeah, non-listeners. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go to Washington taking on Denver. You guys know how I feel about oh Sammy Howell. Oh, I I was I thought it was a mixed bag for Howell in his first real start last I, week. I feel like I've been replaced as the Howell sound effect. Well, really, you, you really, I, really. I, yeah, I was yeah. gone for too long. I'm sorry. That's correct. We had to make do. Um, I thought he made some key mistakes, but also showed decent poise, the strong arm that we knew he was going to get, and some mobility that makes him a very promising fantasy prospect. Denver's secondary's got a lot of talent, but did just get worked by Jimmy Garoppolo, Devonta Adams, and Jacoby Myers. So Howell's receivers, Terry McLaurin, Deshaun, uh, Jahan Dotson, maybe aren't quite at the Devonte Adams level, but they're they're not that far off. I'm going to go grade C in Howell's first-ever road start against a pretty talented secondary I want to start him, but I can't give him more than a C here. Let's talk about his receivers. Terry McLaurin. Terry. Cornerback Patrick Sertain is an absolute nightmare matchup here. He held Devontae Adams to two catches for 16 yards on five targets in week one. And he's allowed 30 or fewer yards in his coverage in seven straight games. And I'm worried that Patrick Sertain's going to shadow Terry McLaurin, and that would be game over. Now, I could be wrong. It could be that Denver sees Jahan Dotson the way I see Jahan Dotson as a major threat, and they're going to put Sertain on him. But I'm guessing that they're going to play it safe and put him on McLaurin. Uh, Dotson paced Washington targets with seven in week one, and each of the last six wide receivers to see at least those seven targets against Denver of top 60 yards. Hopefully Dotson, uh, Dotson sees more of Damari Mathis, who was cooked by Jacoby Myers for two touchdowns and six receptions last week. He gave up a passer rating of 97 last season, so Dotson could have that advantageous matchup. I'm giving him a C grade, too, only because I am worried a little bit about Patrick Sertan picking him up as well. And then Logan Thomas, I liked him last week going into the game. I love the fact that he was targeted seven times, but he dropped. He had two ugly drops in the game, which hurt. Still optimistic that he's going to be a great fit for Eric Bieniemy in particular. Denver only allowed one tight end reception um, last week. But they were facing the Raiders without Darren Waller. So maybe that doesn't mean anything. Uh, C grade on Logan Thomas. And then lastly, lastly, Brian Robinson set a career high with 61% of the snaps. But it didn't look great, honestly. And NFL Next Gen Stats had Robinson as one of the least effective runners in week one with a negative 20 rushing yards over expected, which I guess would also be the same as saying 20 yards under expected. Uh, and a long run of only seven yards for Brian Robinson. Denver only gave up two and a half yards per carry to the Raiders running backs, who frankly are better. And the offseason loss of stud defensive tackle Draymond Jones, 
offset by the addition of lineman Zach Allen, who was 15th in Pro Football Focus's win above replacement last year. So I can only muster a C grade. I'm Brian Robinson. Let's go to the Denver side. Uh, let's start with the running game. Javante Williams saw the same number of snaps as Samaj P. Ryan last week, but he outtouched him 17-12, to 12, so advantage Williams. He also got the only goal-to-go carry, although he got stuffed on that play. Shockingly, Williams led all Broncos in targets last week, which I did not see coming. The Commanders allowed the 10th fewest rushing yards to opposing running backs last season, and they limited James Conner and Keontae Ingram to 3.1 yards per carry last week. So it's a tricky matchup here. I'd like to strike Keontae Ingram's five carries for negative four yards from the record. (laughs) Okay, deal. (laughs) It wouldn't change it a lot, but it would change it some. Um, Between the timeshare and a tougher matchup, I can only get to a C grade on Javante Williams. Let's go to uh, Samaj P. Ryan, who I'm just putting on the bench here. This is a tougher matchup than last week, and Williams was more involved, so I can only I can't muster a, a letter grade on Samaj P. Ryan. How about Russell Wilson? Week one, we saw a 180 for Russell Wilson in his first game with Sean Payton. He completed 80% of his passes for two touchdowns. That is something that happened zero times all of last year for Russell Wilson. I worry about a good Washington pass rush disrupting him far more than Vegas's did, but I like Sutton and Troutman. We're going to talk about them in a second, so Wilson is startable for sure. I got a B grade on Russell Wilson. I think we're back to Russell Wilson being kind of an every-week starter here. Okay. Uh, Cortland Sutton, as expected, led all Broncos receivers in snaps, targets, receiving yards, and he scored last week. Washington shut down the Cardinals receivers last week, but it's the Cardinals receivers, so I don't know that that really counts for anything. Court and Sutton is going to see a lot of rookie cornerback Emmanuel Forbes, who gave up a 31-yard catch in his coverage last week. So I like Sutton to have a good game here and a B grade on him as well. Jerry Judy could return, but is he going to be at full strength? Is he going to be at a full snap count? He plays from the slot a lot when Sutton is available, and that'd be a positive matchup against cornerback safety hybrid Ben St. Juice, who allowed all four of his targets to be completed in week one. I'm giving a C grade to Judy. It would be a B grade if he were fully healthy. So you could maybe upgrade him if you get uh, positive news between now and kickoff that he's like totally ready to go. And lastly, one of my favorite sneaky plays of the week, Adam Troutman. Mm. Ooh, I like him here. Greg Dulcich out. Troutman's going to get all the tight end work. Last week, the Cardinals attacked the commanders with their tight ends. Um, with a whopping 12 targets, resulting in eight catches, second most of all teams in week one. And Troutman ranked second among all NFL players in separation last Mm. week. Troutman caught all five of his targets last week, and that is a very safe floor from here. I like Adam Troutman. Sneaky play and a B grade. Mm. Adam Troutman. Let's go to Chicago taking on Tampa Bay. The really disheartening part about a Dismal showing for the Chicago offense, Matt. Justin Fields, two designed runs all game. Yeah. And oh, bueno. His other seven rush attempts were off script, so that's that's not good uh, from a pass perspective or a run perspective, really. Mm. You signed up for Justin Fields for the rushing yard, so how have that's the right. Bucks performed against running quarterbacks the last few years? In the last 20 games... Only three quarterbacks have topped 30 rushing yards, and none have scored against the Buccaneers. So you'd have to go back all the way to 2021 in Week 14 when Josh Allen scored to find the last quarterback rushing score. Fields has only topped 200 passing yards three times in his last 16 games. It's a C for Fields this week, and I think it's not going to be as good as a lot of people hoped for him in most games this year. 
DJ Moore only had two targets last week. We all, all thought when Fields got a legit wide receiver, his passing numbers would rise. Not so thus far. I'll give Moore the lowest C grade possible, mostly because he'll be lining up against a banged-up Carlton Davis most often, who missed practice this week uh, with a toe injury. Cole Komet would be the only other Bears receiver you'd consider. He was targeted on 16% of his routes run last week, but only for 3.7 air yards, and that's kind of bad. TJ Hawkinson had similar patterns last week, lots of short targets, and was able to cobble together a decent PPR line of eight catches for 35 yards. That's like a huge upside for Komet. So you're not looking at touchdowns. You're not looking at yards. You could see a lot of catches, though. In a PPR league, he'll get a C. If it's not PPR in your league, he's on the bench. Roshan Johnson, Deonta Foreman, Khalil Ground Bear. Yes. Yikes. Uh, it's coming. But Roshan Johnson is going to take over this backfield. But for now, it's still a three-way split. Roshan led the Bears in backfield snaps, but all three Bears backs were within a 30% to 38% snap share. Opportunities, 12 for Johnson, 14 for Ground Bear, 8 for Foreman. The difference was... Roshan had more targets, receptions, and he did more th- yeah, with his touches yeah. than any other backs, including a touchdown. So when I saw Roshan Johnson getting all these targets, I'm like, did I misremember his college career and everything I've known about him? So then I w- went and looked it up. He got 14 passes last year. He had seven targets last week. <laughs> I'm like, what? So uh, I've Thor, what happened? Yeah. Bijan Robinson. Had- oh, okay. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, the Bucks were good against the Vikings backs last uh, last week on the run, but they did let up six catches, 35 yards, and a score through the air to Minnesota backs last week. That's more Roshan than anyone else on this offense, so he gets the C, and the others are on the bench. On the Bucks side, it's a start-everyone kind of party. Baker Mayfield gets a C. He was Charch's take-a-chance-on-me quarterback. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, I'm giving both B grades to. Oh, Godwin's got an A matchup. <laughs> yeah, I think so, too. Uh, from the slot, Godwin should see plenty of backup slot corner Josh Blackwell, who's nursing a hamstring injury. He replaces Kyler Gordon, who's now on IR, and he was bad. Come on, let's give Godwin the A. Okay, fine. Thank you, you. You've conned me into it. Evans should see. I conned you into it. It's, <laughs> he's playing against a an injured Second string slot corner. So the only issue is, is Baker Mayfield still his quarterback, and they might just run the ball all game long. Uh, Evans should see Tyreek Stevenson for the most part. Evans has five inches and 30 pounds on Stevenson, and he gave up a tight end in his coverage last week. Uh, on And on the running side, Rashad White gets a B grade as well. He played 79.4% of Tampa snaps against Minnesota. Saw as many targets as backup Sean Tucker, though, which was two. Mm. Uh, But he ran 21 routes to Tucker's five. So the Bears allowed the most receiving yardage to opposing runners last week with 103. If you need a deep dart throw, Sean Tucker, just on the receiving alone, could be that deep dart throw you need. Yeah, look, there's a great matchup for him to get a deep pass with his 4-3 speed. It's a D grade for dart throw. Wait a minute. Yep. I, there is no D grade, but we will give you, you that. You know, I, can we have a D grade for dart throw? Like yeah. a guy you wouldn't start unless you're desperate. No. D for you, desperate dart throw. Hey, this is what take a chance on me is for. <laughs> Next time, if you love him that much. I don't him love him that chance, much. Take a chance on me. I, I feel bad about starting him, but He's if not you need delicious. It, no. <laughs> 
Chargers take on Tennessee here. Uh, what did we learn from the first game with new Chargers offensive coordinator Kellen Moore, Thor? We learned that they're going to throw more and they're going to move faster. Last mm-hmm. week, Justin Herbert, 33 attempts, and the Chargers offense as a whole ran at the number 10 adjusted pace in the NFL against this awful Titans pass defense. Herbert is going to attempt more passes this week, and he's going to be aiming downfield. Last year, the Titans allowed the most passing yards in the entire NFL and were worst in the NFL defending deep passes. And, of course, they got lit up by Derek Carr last week. Yes, they did. And? Rashid Shaheed. Mm, so well, we're, we're giving Herbert a grade of A. We're give, also giving Keenan Allen and Mike Williams grades of A. Keenan Allen was Herbert's first read on one-third of his attempts last week. Mm. Allen also had 2.3 yards per route run. And in this game, he gets matched up against Titans nickel cornerback Roger, Roger McCreary, who has a career 111 passer rating against. He's going to torch Roger career. <laughs> That's so bad. As for Mike Williams, the Titans uh, outside cornerback number one, Christian Fulton, questionable in this game with a hamstring injury. Yeah. If he doesn't go, Williams is going to get Sean Murphy Bunning, who we talked about last week. But Sean Murphy Bunning is not good. Williams also got 44% of his snaps in the slot last week so he's going to get a few opportunities to torch Roger McCreary as well Uh, moving on to Gerald Everett we're going to give him a grade of C he had a disappointing week last week with only a nine percent target share and three uh, three yards of a dot but this is a solid matchup against the Titans defense that allowed the most receiving yards to tight ends last year so that Titans uh, equal opportunity they'll they'll let anybody have it through the air Austin Eckler is obviously doubtful with his ankle injury he hasn't practiced this week and he is unlikely to play in this game which makes Joshua Kelly, the waiver wire darling of yeah. this past week, a volume C grade. Uh, Kelly had 91 yards and a touchdown on 16 rushing attempts, playing 48% of the snaps last week against the Dolphins. But this is a tough matchup. For it him. is. This is, a t- this is a good Titans run defense. That's that, that's where they give it back, right, mm-hmm. from, from their past defense. The Titans were the number one run defense DVOA in the NFL last year. And last week, they were top 12 in both stuff rate and tackle rate. Moving on to the Titans now, Ryan Tannehill. I, I, I thought about a bench grade, but I'll give him a C in this mm. one. He last week was not good. No. For Mr. No, Ryan Hill. Worst adjusted completion rate in the NFL last week. And he was top ten in that last year. But yeah. he was the worst in the NFL last week. And of course threw three interceptions against the Saints. But this is an okay matchup for him, which is why I, I toggled him up to a C. The Chargers coughed up, as you guys recall, 466 passing yards <laughs> yes. to Mr. Tua last week. You can't trust the Tennessee pass offense, but this is an advantageous matchup for them. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, I would give him a grade C if he plays, but he hasn't practiced the past couple days with an ankle injury and it is unlikely to play. He did get peppered with 13 targets in week one, but was locked down by Marshawn Lattimore. So I, I would give him a C if he plays because the Chargers cornerbacks JC Jackson and Mike, Michael Davis they, they they were they were in charge of the whole Tua thing with Tua going nuts those two allowed 189 receiving yards mm-hmm. and three touchdowns on targets last week Traylon Burks speaking of disappointing weeks yeah I will give him a grade C even though I'm a little bit troubled by what I saw out, out of him last week mostly getting out targeted by Nick Westbrook Akina that's ner- that is worrying it's not good not not good 
But if, especially if DeAndre Hopkins is out, uh, you give him, you know, I mean, he's got to be in a starting lineup and maybe he has a little bit of upside just from the targets if that was the case. Chigakonkwo, though, I think this is a really good matchup for him. I'm bounce giving, back coming. Bounce back coming. He only had two targets against the Saints last week, but that's a bad matchup. The Saints are awesome against tight ends. Chig had 74% routes uh, per dropback rate last week. Chargers coughed up the second highest yards per reception to tight ends last year. We're giving Chig a B. Giving Chig a B. All right, that's to be a big, big upgrade over last week's goose egg for Chig Akakwo. Let's hope that that is the case. When we come back, three tough questions. See if you can play along. Go 3-0 and against our panel of experts as we answer some of the toughest questions in fantasy football. Also, it's not too late to join a guillotine league. 17 teams now that there's one week gone. 17 teams playing. You get a chance to play in a guillotine league where all you have to do is not finish last. It's the funnest, freshest way to play fantasy football. Guillotineleagues.com. Back in moments. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team, a driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, Daily Show correspondent. And we're back with season two because, as it turns out, F1's newest fan is still a little... Dazed and confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pod? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You find it. I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time. I'm talking Hall of Famers, MVPs, gold medalists. I absolutely hate the Colts, bro. This game, I swear, led to the deflate gate. Hey, guys, this ball's a little flat. <laughs> Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Julian walking around. I'm pretty sure he had his shirt off for reasons I'm not sure. He was saying, gotta believe. Oh, you gotta believe. From 18-1 with Eli. You call Bill just a cheater? Is that what you're I'm saying right saying now? He's, he's looking for an advantage. The 2004 ALCS with big copy. They ran socks in 2004, bounced back after the 3-0. In a winner chicken dinner. Homie. The immaculate reception with Terry Bradshaw. Fired the ball. I hear the roar of the crowd. I never thought he caught the ball, but he did. We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Welcome back. Hour number two, Fantasy Football Weekly. Paul Charchi and Matt Harrison, Thor Nystrom with you. All right, let's see if I can get all these Twitter handles right. I'm at Paul Charchi, and you're going to have to just figure out how to spell it. Matt Harrison is at Explosive Output. That's easy. That is easy. Thor Nystrom is at Thor K-U. K-U. Yep. Thor K-U. You got it. I would Thor, Thor for you Yeah. because it's Thor for you, <laughs> I think. Uh, but you'd have to turn your back on your alma, alma mater, and we know you don't want to do that. Never could. This is a game we call Three Tough Questions. You can play along if tough you like. Tough question number one. What's the appropriate level of concern for B. John Robinson? Is it none? Is it some? Or is it a bowel-loosening level of existential dread? We start with Matt Harrison. Yeah, let's all panic about this Falcons player. <laughs> he was on the field for more snaps than Algier, and the opportunities were nearly even. Plus, concerning in a concerning week, he was the number nine running back in PPR. So Desmond Ritter's average depth of target was a league-worst 3.2 yards. That plays into a pass-catching running back's strength. So no concern for Bijan, but... It makes the appropriate level of concern for Kyle Pitts and Drake London worse than blowed, <laughs> like that plane that just got turned around last week because some dude had diarrhea all up and down the aisle. How do we know it, it set the, the plane down level of concern yeah, for that, Pitts that is and London? <laughs> Thank you for rerouting the yes. entire question. Um, <laughs> You're I, welcome. I, I I'm going to get a bonus are, point on that one, I'm pretty sure. More. Isn't it nice that we don't have a blowed sounder? <laughs> <laughs> Thor, what's the appropriate level of concern for Bijan Robinson? Is it none? Is it some? Or is it a bowel loosening level of existential dread? That's a tough act to follow there. That really uh, is. None, zero, zilch. In fact, I would be look I would be, you know, kicking the tires on his owners to see if anyone is slightly panicking and and try to buy on Bijan. Bijan gonna get a lot of usage this year. Uh the correct answer is some. And not just because of the draft equity mid first round. I know that's not that is not the issue. Uh, Arthur Smith has used a rotation throughout his entire tenure in Atlanta. And you know what? Several of us talked about exactly this happening in the preseason. We were like, you don't, we don't know that Bijan's going to make good on everybody's assumption that he's going to be the man. Tyler Algier is not going anywhere. And that includes the goal line and touchdowns count. And, and that's why the answer. And he's a good running back. He is a good running back deserving of the touches he gets. That's why the answer can't be none. When you're talking about a first rounder, who's going to give up the ball at the goal line and lose a lot of carries. Now, fortunately, Robinson's value as a, re- as a receiver is apparently so evident that even the thick-skulled Arthur Smith realizes that Robinson's got game-breaking receiving chops and has got to continue using him that way. Tough question number two. The appropriate level of concern for Christian Kirk. Is that none, some, or a bowel-loosening level of existential dread? Thor. I'm going to go some on that one. They they got some mouths to feed there, and Tila has been a little bit inconsistent. Uh, I, I'll, I'll put it the mid-range on this one. You can't say zero. Matt, uh, appropriate level of concern for Christian Kirk. None, some, or blow. I, I'm with Thor. Definitely some here. I don't think we saw Zay Jones taking snaps and targets from Kirk, but that's what happened last week. It was worth noting that Kenny Moore is probably Indy's best corner, and he plays the slot, which is where Christian Kirk is. So Jacksonville picked on the outsides a lot last week. It could have just been game script. But there is some concern since there's a new number one receiver there in Calvin Ridley, and it's clear that not Kirk is not that guy anymore. The correct answer is 
a bowel loosening oh, of existential wow. dread. We're talking about a two-target, one-catch game for Kirk, and so you try and you try not to overreact to just Week One, right? And the sample size is obviously just one game. That's small, but here's the big concern: usage. He was on the field for only 23 passing downs. That was lower than any game from last year, and a 50% decrease from his average number of games last year, average number of snaps from last year. Undoubtedly, Christian Kirk's going to have some good games smattered in, but here's the problem. You're not going to know when they're coming. It's going to be very tricky to identify in advance, particularly if Zay Jones continues to get 20-plus snaps from the slot. Evan Ingram got 20 snaps from the slot. You know, sometimes we can ID good uh, slot matchups. Mm Mm-hmm. It's going to be hard to know if they're going to keep putting Zay Jones in there and he, we're going to have Christian Kirk on the bench. I'm very, very concerned. Christian Kirk was roughly the 10th highest scoring wide receiver last year. Everything, every fear you had about Calvin Ridley taking that work, we're all realized in week one. I don't think it's a mirage. Tough question number three. Are you selling high on Tua Tungovailoa? Matt. Uh, I think everyone has the same knowledge surrounding Tua, so I'm not even sure this is a sell-high moment. I think it's too transparent. Uh, Granted, if someone's willing to offer you like a top-six quarterback for Tua straight up, I'd probably do it, but we all know it. It's about the injury with Tua, so he has that big red flag on his value, and I think that's drowning that value quite a bit. I think he's going to need to play a good two-thirds of the season before he starts to shed that injury tag, and if he's healthy, right now I'd rather just hold. Thor, are you selling high on Tua? Not only am I not selling high, I would buy high on Tua. If people out there don't understand how good Tua is. Last year, you look at the passing metrics. He was top 12 in every efficiency metric that exists. He has the most dangerous receiving weapons in the NFL on a pass-happy offense that does not have good running backs. They're going to keep airing it out every single week. And as long as he stays healthy, you're going to keep putting up huge numbers every week. I am not selling high on Tua, but here's what I am doing. I am going to reinforce my quarterback position by finding a relatively safe backup quarterback, like maybe even Baker Mayfield, who we've just we highlighted uh, as a play last week and this week. Mm-hmm. You still, I feel like the upside is league winning upside with Tua, so I can't take him off my roster, but I still want to have somebody else that just in case that could step in, and it's probably not Mike White. You want to have quarterback number 13 on your roster. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. That's an even better way to put it. I'll go trade for quarterback 13, Mm -hmm. who's sitting on somebody's somebody's second quarterback, and it won't cost me a lot. I like that as an even better answer. Well done. Thanks. You should should really co-host your own fantasy show. Maybe. Let's go to the matchups. Oh, hey, it's me. Green hey. Bay taking on <laughs> taking on Atlanta. I'm next. How about that? Wow. Yeah. Speaking of Atlanta, let's just pick up right where we left off. Mm. Stupid Arthur Smith. <laughs> B. John Robinson and Tyler Algier both get B grades here. This is reason number 1,000 to do the opposite in the first round here. Tenth, tenth rounder Tyler Algier got more snaps, more carries, and more rushing yards than first rounder Brian B. John Robinson. Um, let's talk about this matchup, though, in more detail. Algier got the money carries, netted all three carries from inside the five-yard line. He scored twice. Robinson helped his cause with the six catches on six targets. Robinson also ran routes on 90% of his passing snaps, which I love. The Packers, though, allowed the second-most running back receptions for the second-most running back yards in week one, so that's a nice opportunity for Bijan Robinson here. 
And if you're in a PPR league, we'll upgrade him to an A. If you're not, we'll go with a B grade on Robinson. Algier probably continues to get a high level of work against a suspect run defense for the Packers. He's a safe B play here, and I wouldn't be surprised if he scored, which would put him into the A range as well. The passing game, though, obviously is a total disaster here. I would love to say something good about Drake London in a what should be rebound game from the goose egg in week one, but it's Arthur Smith. There's no guarantee there's a rebound coming whatsoever. And the Packers secondary, really good. Here's the problem. If Jair Alexander is going to shadow anybody, it's going to be Drake London. Who else would you bother to shadow on that defense or that offense? I can't advocate for London. Jair Alexander last week gave up one catch for four yards in his coverage. DJ Moore silenced by the Packers last week. And frankly, Drake London's not as good as DJ Moore. Bench grade for Drake London coming <laughs> off the goose egg. And for Kyle Pitts, troublingly, Pitts only on the field for 31 snaps in the opener, and he only got three targets. Fortunately, one of the three targets was a 30-yard reception in double coverage on an underthrown pass from Desmond Ritter. Desmond Ritter may not pan out, by the way. That's he, looking he, very, very Taylor much. Heineke is the backup there? He is. I think that that's coming sooner than later. Desmond Mitter. Desmond Mitter. <laughs> mm. Last week, the Packers covered Cole Komet with seven different DBs, a strategy that still allowed Komet five catches for 44 yards. So I'm giving a C grade to Kyle Pitts because I don't think the Packers have really got a sound defensive strategy against mobile athletic uh, tight ends like Kyle Pitts, like Cole Komet last week. So we'll give him the C grade. Let's go to uh, the Green Bay side. Uh, Aaron Jones, very unlikely to play after missing all week. That puts A.J. Dillon into A range? But, <laughs> no. I mean, here's the no. thing. Now, there's been four different instances where Aaron Jones hasn't played. Mm -hmm. And A.J. Dillon, presumably sitting on big games, right, hasn't panned out that way. In those four games, he's totaled only 148 rushing yards and has failed to score in any of them. So he's by no means an automatic here. But this feels like a smash spot. Atlanta just got rocked by the opposing runners from the one-dimensional Panthers offense who totaled 132 yards and five yards per carry. If Dylan's going to get most of 132 yards and five yards per carry and presumably goal line work, got to give him an A grade. Come on, A.J. Dillon. That's nuts. Step up on this opportunity. I, I don't like hopeful A grades. Like, fingers crossed A grade. That's terrible. I'm giving the A grade. I got I got to stand for something here. We're going to, I'm not, I'm, we're going to give him the A grade. Okay. Right, let's go to the passing game here. Uh, I want to start with Christian Watson. So he got limited practice on Friday, but I, I hate rolling into a game with a hamstrung wide receiver, literally at full strength. Christian Watson would probably draw the Falcons. One really good corner, AJ Terrell coming off a game in which he allowed just 19 coverage yards. Terrell has allowed just two receptions for 18 yards per game over his last eight games. Those are amazing coverage numbers for A.J. Terrell. But is a gimpy Christian Watson going to get A.J. Terrell? Or do they decide to put him on a full-strength Romeo Dobbs? I don't know. So I can only give the C grade to Watson with the hamstring, with the prospect of him maybe drawing A.J. Terrell. I can only go C grade on Christian Watson. Romeo Dobbs. I got a B grade on him right now. But again... If A.J. Terrell, they decide to deploy Terrell on dubs, I think it's game over for him. So there's some caution here. Only one wide receiver has topped 70 yards against Atlanta in their last eight games. And only three have topped 60 yards. It's not much. 
Um, so you'll have to you'll have to do your own math on this. If AJ Terrell doesn't go on Romeo Dobbs, then he's got way more favorable matchups with D. Alford and Trey, Trey Flowers, who combined to give up 10 of 12 pass attempts in their coverage last week. So I'm still sitting on a B grade for Romeo Dobbs. I think I'd still start him, but just know there's some danger here. How about Luce Mu- Luke Musgrave? Loose mutton? Loose mutton. <laughs> Do I have a sheep on here? Of all the animals not to have, I have no I'll sheep. Work on that. All right, thank you. For Luce mutton. That's his new nickname. Very active in the first game. He was on the field for 75% of the Packers' snaps. Ran a healthy 24 routes. Last week, the Panthers tight end Hayden Hurst led the team in targets, receptions, receiving yards, and touchdowns. B grade of Luke Musgrave. For loose mutton. Loose mutton chop. (laughs) And where does that leave us? Uh, Jaden Reed. I'm putting him on the bench, although I'll give him a C grade if Christian Watson is not able to go here. I like that he was targeted five times in his NFL debut last week. But if Christian Watson plays, I don't know that he's on the field enough, so we'll move him to the bench. That wraps up that matchup. Let's go to um, the final matchup of this segment. New York Giants taking on Arizona. Matt, it all went wrong for the Giants in the opener. Now they get what appears to be on paper to be the worst team in the NFL, the Arizona Cardinals. Is this the bounce back most people expect? Yeah, absolutely. You have to throw out last week since the Dallas game script got wonky right away. Saquon still went for six yards per carry last week against a much tougher Cowboys defense. Don't panic. He's an A grade. Daniel Jones and Darren Waller, I'm willing to give a pass to as well. Dallas's defense might be the best in the league, and they were just teeing off against Jones and the negative game script Sunday night. Jones was sacked seven times, which is two more times than Darren Waller was targeted. Arizona is not that defense. The thing to watch out for, Darren Waller's hamstring is flaring up. He was limited in Thursday's practice, although Brian Dable said he was moving around good. And they took him off the the injury report entirely on Friday. So I'm optimistic that we're going to get the real Darren Waller here. Yep. Uh, We really didn't learn much about the Giants wide receivers last week. Slayton and Campbell led snap counts at about 67% apiece. Isaiah Hodgins was in there. Jalen Hyatt, Sterling Shepard still in play. Wandale Robinson's looming. You're benching all of your Giants wide receivers. Let's go to the Cardinals, and we'll talk about the passing game as a whole. Three players tied for the most routes run for the Cardinals in week one. Zach Ertz, Marquise Brown, and Michael Wilson. Now, Ertz had 10 targets, which is one of the reasons why he might take a chance on me receiver and gets the B grade here. Brown only had five. Wilson had four. Dobbs threw 30 total passes for only 132 yards. It's going to be an ultra-shallow passing game. You can't start anyone in the passing game Mm -mm. until Zach Ertz, until further notice. And then James Conner, he gets a B grade. He got 19 touches to Keontae Ingram's five. And I mentioned earlier, Ingram had five rushing attempts for negative four yards and zero targets. That's not how you get on the field more. (laughs) No. Um, Conner did catch all five of his targets. Game script might always phase out Conner somewhat, but it should still be 15 to 20 touches per game simply because he's the only back in town. The Giants gave up 102 yards and two rushing scores to the Dallas backs last week. Both bottom eight numbers in the league, so it's a fine matchup. Connor has been also limited in practice with a calf injury, although all signs point to him playing this week with little issue. Zach Wilson takes over at quarterback. When we come back, we'll tell you what to expect from the Jets as they take on a ferocious Dallas pass rush. Feels like a mismatch. What does it mean for Garrett Wilson in particular? Thor will tell you what to expect when we come back to Fantasy Football Weekly. 
step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team, a driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, Daily Show correspondent. And we're back with season two because, as it turns out, F1's newest fan is still a little... Dazed and confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I, I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pod? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts. Or wherever you get your podcast. You find it. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Dow of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali back in 1988, and to my great surprise, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on family, spirituality, and on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ, including people such as Reverend Al Sharpton and James Buster Douglas. We'll even hear from Muhammad's daughter, Rashida. Well, my dad was, he was Peter Pan. Like, he never really grew up. He was very mature when it came down to social issues. He was very in tune. He felt a responsibility to be able to share his connection to millions of people who were in need. In each of these stories, we share lessons. Lessons that have meant a great deal to me and that I hope will be meaningful to you. Listen to The Dow of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome back. Fantasy Football Weekly. Another block o matchups for you, beginning with the Jets taking on Dallas and Thor. I think the Vikings knew what they were doing when they got out of Dalvin Cook. To my eyes, Dalvin cooked. <laughs> he's done. I, I agree with you. Uh, great bench here. Uh, he's going to have to show quite a bit more than he did last week to get back into a starting lineup. They gave him 50% of the snaps, and on 16 touches, Dalvin only accrued 59 yards. But it gets a little bit worse than that. 34th out of 55 qualifying running backs in yards after contact per attempt. Not good. Brees Hall started the other way, the the total other way. I'm going to give him a grade B in this matchup. Hall only played 31% of snaps Mm -hmm. last week, but he was hitting home runs. He was hitting dingers every time they gave him the ball. 
a super ridiculous 10.6 yards after contact for Brees Hall yeah. last week in 10 attempts against the Bills and route to 147 total yards. The Cowboys were middle of the pack in explosive run rate allowed last year. So an okay matchup for Brees Hall. We'll give him a B. Uh, Garrett, <laughs> moving on to the Jets passing attack. I'm sorry, New York fans. Garrett Wilson will give him a C grade in yeah. this. I think this is going to be a repeat of the Giants game mm-hmm. where he got his day saved by a touchdown. That's what he's going to need to get bailed out of this one. Uh, Travion Diggs and Stephon Gilmore are problems. The mm. bigger problem for him is Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson, you, you got to have him on the bench. I, and, and I got all the other Jets pass catchers on for the sure. bench with him because of him. But uh, Zach Wilson last week, fifth worst passing grade in the NFL. Cow- and uh, Speaking to the matchup, Cowboys held Giants to 3.6 yards per attempt last week. And Daniel Jones was under duress all game. Zach Wilson going to be seeing ghosts in this one. Moving to Dallas. Dak Prescott, I have a bench grade on him, 14th in adjusted completion rate last week. The Jets, on the other hand, last week held Josh Allen to the fifth lowest passer rating and obviously picked him off three times. Mm-hmm. The Jets' cornerbacks are awesome. Their pass defense is really good. Uh, C.D. Lamb, who I, I you know banged the table for last week, he came through. Last week against the Giants, 53.8% of Dallas's receiving yards and 3.9 yards per route run. 76% of Lamb's snaps that, uh, last week came from the slot. So this is very good news because he's going to avoid Sauce Gardner in this matchup at least on you know projected three quarters of his, his snaps or so. Jet slot cornerback Michael Carter, too. Not Michael Carter, one Michael Carter, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, not nearly as good as their outside guys. Carter allowed a 70.9% catch rate last year. But the game script could, you know, could end up flipping on uh, Lamb this week. I, I give him a B in in this one, uh, assuming it's going to be a little bit more run heavy. Brandon Cooks didn't practice on Wednesday or Thursday with his MCL sprain. We're going to give him a bench grade mm-hmm. in this game. Very iffy to iffy to play. I'm benching the rest of the pass catchers on that team. Michael Gallup, I guess you could say low end option potentially in this one, but a bad matchup for him. Only if Brandon Cooks does not play. Uh, Ferg- Jake Ferguson, you're keeping on the bench. As for Dallas's running game, better matchup there. I'm giving Tony Pollard a grade of A. Okay. Running back five in fantasy last week. Mm-hmm. 82 total yards on 16 touches. He got every Dallas rushing attempt inside the opponent's five-yard line last week. I think that's really good news for him. You know, pe- people have been nitpicking the, the, his strength and the short-yarded stuff. Dallas obviously trusts him with that this year. The Jets have a middle-of-the-pack run defense. They were number 20 in explosive run rate allowed last year, so Pollard might hit some dingers in this game. Yeah, I like Pollard a lot here. I'm with you on that. Jacksonville takes on Kansas City. On the Kansas City side, obviously Patrick Mahomes is an A. Travis Kelsey, everything indication is he's going to play, which is great. Only one missed game would be a win, given what we thought might be the case. Jaguars just gave up 59 tight end receiving yards to Indianapolis's anonymous tight ends last week, so I'm going right back to the A grade on Travis Kelsey. Uh, all the wideouts are on the bench. Um, at this <laughs> until point, further notice, yeah, exactly. Until until at this point, like last year, you're not going to trust any of them. Last week, MVS and Sky Moore ran the most routes, but it was still less than half of the routes. There's just nobody on the field enough, and no consistent performers, and you're never going to guess right. I don't know if you're thinking about chasing Rasheed Rice's touchdown from Week One. He was on the field for 12 pass plays. That's mm. it. I mean, it's just you just you can't do it. All they're all on the bench. Even though somebody's going to have a good game, good luck guessing. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco, just the C grade here. I thought it was a mixed bag for Pacheco in the opener with just eight mundane rushes. And Clyde Edwards-Alaire, frustratingly involved. 
The good news was four targets, which I liked. That was his second biggest target game. And by the way, caught them all. Second biggest target game of his career. Jaguars were a good run defense last year, and they dominated in the opener, hammering the Colts runners, including Deion Jackson, who averaged 1.1 yards per carry in the opener. So I, I don't love Pacheco here. This pass, this game is going to go through Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. Let's go to the Jaguars' side. Let's start with Travis Etienne. Looked good against the Colts last week, but this is a much tougher matchup, and our worries about Tank Bigsby's role at the goal line and as a receiver were fully realized this in the opening game. There was a lot. I, it's a concern. Through one week, the Chiefs' run defense ranks 30th by Pro Football Focus, but they get back Chris Jones, and that should make them more formidable here. I've got a B grade on Travis Etienne, but we need to keep an eye on Tank Bigsby. Box score did not wow anybody, and he had a fumble, so there's that. Mm, tanks but, for nothing. Now, here's the here's the crazy stat. He finished with 19 rushing yards and 14 yards after contact. I, I don't know quite how you do 13 rushing yards and 14 yards after contact, but it tells me you're getting met in the backfield on every carry. Yeah. So I think that's a lot of what happened with Tank Bigsby. Um, but I like that he caught four passes. This is gonna he's gonna be an aerial contributor. And um, you know, only on the field 15 snaps in week one. So I'm keeping Tank on the bench, but optimistic that it'll it'll his role will grow across the season. Uh, let's go to the passing game. Already talked about Christian Kirk earlier in this show. Very worried that he didn't get much time, only on the field for half of the plays. And then running from the slot, he goes up against a very good cornerback, Trent McDuffie, a first-rounder from last year, who gave up 38 yards in his coverage in the opener. Not an impossible assignment, but I'm leaving Christian Kirk on the bench until I see him on the field more often. How about Calvin Ridley? Everything you could have hoped for. And all the people that drafted him early, congratulations, because you got paid. He enjoyed a massive 34% target share in the opener. He ran over his half of his routes from the left side of the field where he's going to match up with cornerback Legereus Sneed. Sneed played hurt in the opener and gave up 100% of his throws in his coverage while missing four tackles. Sneed got worked in that opening game, but he's had 10 days to get healthier, and Sneed played pretty well last year. Still, A grade for Calvin Ridley. If you're going to chase Zay Jones, I don't know that I would. I did like that he was on the field as often as he was. They moved him all across the field. He's going to line up against all the different cornerbacks. They might be able to manufacture some opportunities for Zay Jones in this one. C grade if you need to use him. And that leaves us uh, at the quarterback position. And let's go to Trevor Lawrence, who I do like in this game. Chiefs allowed the most passing touchdowns last season. Um, now, they did play each other. Uh, Lawrence only mustered 217 yards and one touchdown against Kansas City in that playoff game. But the addition of Calvin Ridley makes a big difference here, and we're going to go with a B grade on Trevor Lawrence. Final matchup of this segment, Matt, mm -hmm. Miami, taking on New England. Tua with a league-leading 466 yards. But this is a much tougher matchup against a New England defense that corralled the Eagles in week one. Yeah, it is a much tougher defense, but uh, even without starting tackle Taron Armstead, the Chargers did not sack Tua, and it looks like uh, Armstead might be back this week. Tua only had to scramble one time, too. Lots of time in the pocket for, for Tua last week. Uh, the Pats allowed 16 receptions to wide receivers last week. That was seventh most in the league. That's exactly Tua's bread and butter. Mm -hmm. He gets an A grade here. Tyreek Hill gets an A grade as well. 
Jalen Waddle gets a B because the delta in targets between him and Hill is That's so huge. large. Yeah. 15 targets to Waddle, 6. For context, Braxton Berrios had five targets. <laughs> so is Waddle closer to Berrios than Hill? No. Of course no, not. No, he's not. No. Uh, Waddle actually has scored in three of his four games against New England as well. And with the Belichick way of taking out the top option, Waddle should see a lot of single coverage this week. When that coverage is against Christian Gonzalez, expect Tua to target Waddle copiously. Gonzalez was picked on last week by the Eagles. They targeted him 10 times. He allowed seven catches for 71 yards. The other New England corners were only thrown at a combined four times. So Christian Gonzalez is the weak link. Uh, Raheem Mostert outsnapped Salvin Ahmed last week, 47-19. Devin Achain was a healthy scratch last week. Mostert only carried the ball 10 times, though. Uh, he did score. That salvaged his day. I'd like to leave Mostert on the bench if I could this week, though, as the Pats are just killers against the run. They've only allowed five total scores to the running to running backs last year, and they held the Eagles' trio of runners to 60 yards on 16 attempts last week. On the Patriots' side, Ramondre Stevenson gets an A grade here. Even though the numbers looked rough in Week 1, the Eagles were one of the better run defense he'd face all year. The Dolphins are not that. They just allowed Austin Eckler to go for 164 total yards last week, and Joshua Kelly went for 91 yards on the ground on his own. Both of them scored. The Finns seem to have a massive hole in stopping the run, which is why Stevenson gets an A, and Zeke was charges take a chance on me running back. He was. I give him a solid C grade here. Mac Jones looked good last week. Uh, that's what happens when you give him an actual offensive coordinator. It's weird when yeah, Matt Patricia is not your offensive coordinator. And, and even better for Mac Jones. Yeah. Let's give some credit here. Yeah. Opening that, drive throws a pick six on a bad pass. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying to myself, oh man, it's over for <laughs> Mac Jones. Like he's going to just unravel right here on the field. And it was the exact opposite. A- exactly. Dude rallied. It was literally the best career game for Mac Jones by fantasy points in his entire career. 316 yards and three touchdowns. Justin Air Bear had a similar A dot last week against the Dolphins as Mac Jones did against the Eagles. Air Bear found moderate success with 228 yards and a score. I think I'd put that as the floor for Jones this week. So I'll throw a C grade on him. I think he's very startable in a super flex league. And as far as the wide receiver goes, uh, let's talk about Kendrick Bourne. He's the only one I'm paying attention to. Yeah. Scored twice last week, led the team in targets, receptions, and yards. Had a respectable 12.5 average depth of target and 138 total air yards. He'll play against Eli Apple most often this week, who was targeted deep exclusively by the Chargers last week on targets toward Apple. The average depth was 19.5 yards downfield. They're throwing deep against him. And it's probably not worth starting a Patriots tight end, but it's worth noting the revenge game for Mike Gesicki this week. Oh, yeah. And if you think that he gets an end zone target or two, he gets the desperation D dart throw grade. When we come back, we're going to jump in the time machine. Oh. Premature speculation. <laughs> the time machine sounds like Yar's Revenge. <laughs> it does sound like <laughs> Yar's Revenge. We'll tell you who to pick up this week that everybody else will be trying to pick up next week on Fantasy Football Weekly. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team, a driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, Daily Show correspondent. And we're back with season two because, as it turns out, F1's newest fan is still a little... Dazed and confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pod? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You find it. I'm Julian Edelman from Games with Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time. I'm talking Hall of Famers, MVPs, gold medalists. I absolutely hate the Colts, bro. This game, I swear, led to the deflate gate. Hey, guys, this ball's a little flat. <laughs> Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Julian walking around. I'm pretty sure he had his shirt off for reasons I'm not sure. He was saying, gotta believe. Oh, you gotta believe. From 18-1 with Eli. You call Bill just a cheater? Is that what you're I'm saying right saying now? He's, he's looking for an advantage. The 2004 ALCS with big copy. The Red Sox in 2004 bounced back after the 3-0. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Homie. The immaculate reception with Terry Bradshaw. Fired the ball. I hear the roar of the crowd. I never thought he caught the ball, but he did. We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Final segment of Fantasy Football Weekly. And that means it's time to jump into the FFW time machine. I think that's Defender, by the way, if anybody's wondering. That's I the that is Defender. That's the weirdest flux capacitor noise ever. That, is, that could be the case. Yeah. We're going to give you three guys to pick up this week that everybody's going to be trying to pick up next week. Frankly, we hammered this segment last last week. Mm. We, I don't know if we could have possibly done any better. We'll try now. Matt, who you got? Uh, I just mentioned him, actually. Kendrick Bourne uh, highlighted in the matchup. But if Bourne scores again this week, his price will get, get up way high. He's only rostered in 46% of sleeper leagues right now, and that's up 44% from last week. Imagine if he scores again. It's going to be through the roof, and everybody's going to be spending their waiver wire bucks on him. In a positive matchup, that could be the yep. case. Uh, Thor, who is your premature speculation player? Packers wide receiver Jaden Reed. I think this is your last shot to get Jaden Reed. Mm. 10% owned in Yahoo, 19% owned in Sleeper. Charge, you were sort of mentioning this when you were going through the matchup of this game. Reed last week, so he only was sent out on 16 routes, yeah. but on five of those he was targeted. Uh, a stellar three yards per route run for Reed last week. 60% of his snaps came from the slot last week. This weekend, he gets Falcons nickel cornerback D. Alford, yeah. who has given up 105 passer 
rating during like his it. career on Target. Go out and get Jaden Reed. He's going to be owned everywhere next week. Yeah, I think you're right about that. I like I like Jaden Reed. Let's do it. Uh, my take, uh, premature speculation player. And listen, I don't doubt anybody for being skeptical when I say to back Zach Moss. I've earned every bit of skepticism <laughs> anybody might have on my Zach Moss takes. Totally deserve it. But can Zach Moss be better than Deion Jackson? Maybe. Yes, he can. <laughs> can he? he? Can. Are we sure? Evan Hull probably will not play again this year, or if he does come back, it's going to be like December. Oh, tragically. And then, there, and then there's this Jonathan Taylor guy. So then Jonathan Taylor. So we don't – nobody knows right now what's going to be happening in Jonathan Taylor week five forward. Now, Zach Moss could be startable this week. You gave him a – was he your take-a-chance-on-me player? Here's yeah. Chance me running back. Twin C grades for right. the Colts back. C grade. He could be startable th- as early as this week. So you're going to get like three games a run of them, and then who knows what happens with Jonathan Taylor. Let's pick up Zach Moss and see what happens. Final two matchups of this show. New Orleans taking on Carolina. You loved the deep ball for New Orleans last week, Thor, and it all came in big. What about this week in a different matchup with Carolina? Still a very good one. Mm. Uh, Derek Carr last week was my take a chance on me guy. He, at quarterback, he rewarded my faith. 300-plus passing yards for him. Number two in yards per attempt in the NFL last week. As I mentioned, great matchup this week. Panthers gave up the ninth highest passer rating last year, and J.C. Horn is out I'm giving Derek Carr an A grade. Oh, all right. Of course, I love Rashid Shahid. He was my take a chance on the wide receiver. I'm also giving an A grade to Chris Olave. It's Chris Olave season this year. He shredded the Titans for a 30% target share last week on 3.7 yards per route run. Mm -hmm. This is another strong matchup for Olave. You're going up against Dante Jackson and CJ Henderson out there with JC Horn out. He is going to smash Michael Thomas. I was wrong about Michael Thomas last week. I told you to keep him on on your bench. Hopefully you didn't listen to me. This week I'm giving him a B. He's fully healthy again. He proved that. 24% target share last weekend. 1.9 yards per route run. We're going to give him a B grade. Juwan Johnson, I'm going to give him a C grade in this game. Hmm. He's the clear tight end one and clear number four receiving option in this offense. That's the good news. And bad news, sort of, is he's been limited in practice with a calf injury, but he is expected to play this weekend. Not a great matchup here. Carolina gave up the ninth fewest receiving yards to tight ends last year. So we'll give him a C. Jamal Williams, I'm going to give him a grade of B. He is the clear bell cow here until Alvin Kamara returns. Kendra Miller is dinged up. Last week, Jamal Williams, 75% of the snaps played, but he only had 52 total yards on 20 touches. However, this is a good matchup for him against Carolina's rotten run defense. The Panthers allowed the fourth highest yards after contact last week. I'm giving Jamal Williams a B. Moving to the Panthers, I got a lot of bench grades on this I, side. I bet you do. Yeah, Bryce Young, you got to keep him on your bench. I, I love Bryce Young. Everybody loved Bryce Young. But last week, it didn't look good. worse than the NFL in passing yep. grade. That's yep. tough. And the Saints have an awesome pass defense Mm -hmm. you have to bench young and for this reason you have to bench all the Panthers receivers you have to bench their tight end uh, Hayden Hurst as well especially with Hurst because the Saints defense shuts down tight ends going back several years now the only guy on this offense that you can start with any sort of confidence is Miles Sanders Mm -hmm. I'm giving Miles Sanders a B in this matchup 
Last week, 22 touches for 98 total yards while playing 57% of the offensive snaps. But he only ranked number 41 out of 55 qualifying running backs last week in elusive rating. Was a little too easy to hit Miles Sanders last week. However, this is a decent matchup, whereas New Orleans has the really good pass defense. Run defense, not so good. The Saints run defense was bottom eight last week, both in yards after contact per attempt and yards before uh, contact per yeah. attempt. Not good. Not good. Uh, some people think uh, Chuba Hubbard looked better. Yeah. You know, home and, run hitter. Chuba. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, I, I didn't like what I've seen from Chuba to this point of his career, but nevertheless, there's, uh, you know, there's, there may be some opportunity there. Maybe more than we thought. Could be. Yeah. We'll find out. Final matchup is Cleveland taking on Pittsburgh. Nick Chubb, obvious A. And we should note that Pittsburgh's going to be without their defensive tackle, Cam Hayward. That is a sizable loss, literally and figuratively. Uh, so Nick Chubb feels like a very good play. I want to go to the passing game and spend most of our time on the Cleveland side talking about that. I can't stress enough how bad Deshaun Watson's passing looked. And he, <laughs> he be, it's being masked in the fantasy world by that rushing touchdown that he had, but it was ugly. Now, granted, it was in the rain, and it was against a good Bengal secondary. But if Watson's passing flops this week against the Steelers, it is not too early to start worrying about Deshaun Watson's long-term prospects yep. here. Steelers earned Pro Football Focus's number one pass rush rating last week. Keyed, of course, by T.J. Watt, who had, get this, a hurry, two hits, and three sacks in the mm. game. I don't, I, don't like, uh, I don't like the Amari Cooper matchup that much. Uh, I don't have a ton of faith in the receiving of the rest of the receivers who did nothing last week. And when I balance that in with Deshaun Watson looking bad as a passer, I don't see a lot to like here. Also, you don't get the design runs that you think you're getting out of Deshaun Watson. That did not materialize either, either with even with the rushing touchdown. So yeah, I I can't I can't I can't support him here, and I've only got the C grade on him. Let's talk about David and Joku. Disappointing start to the season. Um, and Pittsburgh contained George Kittle in the opener, holding him to three catches for 19 yards. But Njoku has scored in three straight games against the Steelers. And in last year's two games, he totaled 13 catches for 131 yards and two touchdowns. Good numbers historically against the Steelers for David Njoku. So that keeps him quasi-viable and will keep a C grade on him. I alluded to Amari Cooper earlier. Tough game last week. You had the rain. You had bad quarterback play. You had a difficult uh, secondary. Easier matchup this week against the Steelers cornerbacks. You've got Patrick Peterson. You've got Levi Wallace, both of whom gave up more than 40 yards in their coverage last week. Patrick Peterson, at age 73, got <laughs> tagged for two touchdowns last week. Mm -hmm. So I think Cooper I think Cooper has a nice little bounce-back game potentially with him. I got a B grade on Amari Cooper. I can't go to any of the rest of the receivers who didn't do much, including Elijah Moore and David uh, Pe uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones, excuse me, who both clock in with bench grades here. Let's go to Pittsburgh side. Whew, boy, Najee Harris. Uh, first, the good news. He's scored in all four games against the Browns in his career, and he's averaged 117 total yards. That's good news. The bad news is everything else that's going to come after that. <laughs> Harris only saw 52% of the snaps last week. That is the second lowest since the start of last season, and Jalen Warren had the same number of touches as mm -hmm. Najee Harris. This looks like the running back by committee nobody asked for. Definitely. Uh, the Browns' defense looked, run defense looked improved over last year's awful unit, thanks in part to several key offseason additions. 
and they held the Bengals runners to 75 rushing yards, four and a half yards per carry, you know, math numbers. I can put a C grade on Najee Harris, but I can't do more than that. Now for Jalen Warren, you know, this is a developing situation. I don't think you can start him yet, but you know, look, if Najee Harris is going to continue to struggle and Jalen Warren's going to keep getting half of the touches in week one, what if that turns into 50% of the touches, 60% of the touches? So maybe, maybe this thing flips over at some point. You might want to invest in Jalen Warren, but we can't start him here. All right, let's go to the uh, let's go to the passing game. I'm not even going to talk about Kenny Pickett in a miserable outing. Let's go to George Pickens. Now they lost Deontay Johnson. That probably means a few more looks for George Pickens, but also means better coverage. Pickens saw far too many short passes last week. I mean, he's that is not really his skill set. Effectively halving his yards per reception from last year in the opener. The Bengals picked on cornerback Martin Emerson deep, averaging 20 yards per pass in his coverage. That's where George Pickens can can kill you. Yes. Right? Those deep contested balls. Let's do that again, Steelers. Now, it didn't end up working, but maybe the Steelers will have more success in a dry game here, and hopefully they find George Pickens. I'm putting the C grade on him. I want to believe it's going to happen. Let's talk Pat Fryermuth for a minute. Uh, returned to full practice on Friday. Last week, three of his four receptions came in the red zone. He's proven to be a goal line threat throughout his career. He scored last week. The Browns gave up just 17 yards to Irv Smith last week, and they held Fryermuth to zero yards and 41 yards in the two games last year. Last uh, season, the Browns allowed the fifth fewest tight end receptions and the third fewest tight end touchdowns. I can only get to a C grade on Pat Fryermuth. Is healthy though, so that is uh, that's good news there. Uh, Allen Robinson's going to get more action with Deontay, Deontay Johnson out. He'll be on the field a lot more. He mostly runs from the slot. Cleveland's nickel cornerback, Greg Newsom, is awesome. This is a bad yes. matchup. He's allowed one touchdown in his coverage in his last 17 games. Can't go to Allen Robinson here, for better or worse. I think that pretty much wraps Nobody's starting Kenny Pickett. No. That no. Much wraps up that matchup. Um, and that leaves us with some stuff to talk about from the Thursday night game. So, DeAndre Swift looked Awesome. Get, awesome. Get a load of this stat. Yeah. Before contact on Thursday night, DeAndre Swift racked up 133 yards. Oh, gosh. Before contact. <laughs> oh, boy. So, so, does that make DeAndre Swift awesome or the Eagles offensive line yeah, awesome yeah, or the Vikings really, is, defensive yeah. seven horrible? All, all three could certainly be the case. Yeah. So let's just fast forward to next week's game. Let's assume Gainwell's available. What is the breakdown you see coming for Swift versus Gainwell when they're both available? I go seventy-five percent for Swift, twenty-five for Gainwell, and Rashad Penny is on milk cartons. Yeah, uh, Penny's not even is a non-factor. By the way, yep. when did Rashad Penny turn into a kick returner? <laughs> how do you kick return with Rashad? Drop the piano, Penny. I don't understand how that's a thing. They want to get him on the field, I guess. Somehow. Matt, what do you think? Swift versus Gainwell, both healthy. I hate the Eagles running back situation. That's why I've avoided it all year. Um, I think it's going to be a guessing game all year, and we're not going to be able to forecast it. Probably 50-50. I think it's going to frustrate people and be closer to 50-50. Even though Swift looks way, way more dangerous, doesn't he? Yes. But the you know, but the Eagles don't always make sense with their rotation. They never have. He doesn't. Yep. So I bet there's more Gainwell in here than we want to think there's going to be. And that could water down the efficacy of for Swift. Also from that game, while we're talking running backs, Alexander. Oh, brutal. Yeah, brutal. <laughs> you know, the bad fumble. He's now averaged, I think, three yards a carry and three and a half yards a carry in his two games. Um, has looked 
has looked like an utterly mundane NFL runner, if I'm just being honest. So let's project forward a little bit. I know my whole theory on drafting Ty Chandler in the preseason was basically exactly this. They can only go so long with Alexander Madison looking ordinary before they have to give Chandler some looks, right? Mm -hmm. He's got to get on the field more. I don't. Yeah. I think, right? Just to see, you know. Madison's blocking's been bad, and I, you know I don't know that he's left a lot of yards on the field because he's had doesn't have a lot of places to go. But at some point, don't we try a little tight? Well, and if your blocking is bad as a running back in what is a pass first offense, you don't stay on the field much longer. You you lose out. You have to you have to have skills in the NFL to stay on the field. He doesn't have the ability to run great. And he doesn't have the ability to block all that well. So I think he's in trouble. And the other thing that really hurts Madison is Kevin O'Connell is just a pass-first guy. I mean, last year the Vikings were fifth in pass-play percentage, and that's bearing itself out through a couple of games here. And then the Vikings have Kareem Hunt come in for a visit in the middle of training camp. They they could kick the tires there again. It would not surprise anybody. Don't need him. Ty Chandler's better than Kareem Hunt mm-hmm. right now. Probably. In my opinion. Yeah, sure. And uh, let's go see what Ty Chandler might bring to your fantasy team. Get them on the field. Hey, we're still making new guillotine leagues. It's super exciting. You can play season-long football with new drafts being held now. You know how guillotine leagues work. Every week, the low-scoring team gets chopped. All the players go to the waiver wire, where the rest of us build superstar rosters to do battle the rest of the season. It's super fun. This is the only way that you're going to pick up T. Higgins off of the waiver wire. So much fun. Guillotineleagues.com. Drafts happening now. Good luck in week two, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Fantasy Football Weekly is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. We did, but honestly, I was left with more questions than answers, Tony. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. And I'm Michael Costa, comedian from The Daily Show. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1. Our F1 102, if you will. And get all of the answers. All of them? Listen to Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali in 1988, and surprisingly, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.